This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. This episode is brought to you by GroCo Postnatal Rehabilitation. Let's be honest, when it comes to postpartum care, the majority of mothers are sent home with nothing more than a peri bottle and instructions to rest. And what is rest when you've just had a baby? Mothers are left to navigate their recovery entirely on their own without any insight into how pregnancy or labor and delivery will impact their health in the future. It's absolutely insane when you consider that the traditional healthcare system today provides better rehab protocols for sprained ankles than mothers after birth. This is why Dr. Ali Kane created GroCo. The online community features 50-plus workouts streaming 24-7, weekly live workouts, and monthly master classes. Right now, the program is 50% off for lifetime access, and for the Mom Room podcast listeners, you can save an additional 20% with the coupon code MOMROOM. Head on over to GrowCoRehab.com and sign up. How you heal now will affect the rest of your life. Check out the episode notes for additional details. Welcome to my solo Tuesday episode. I am recording this on Monday, just before noon. I just recorded a co-hosted episode and I'm freaking tired, but I love this topic, so I'm ready for it. So today I'm talking a little bit about my husband and I's decision to only have one child. And it's funny that this is even a topic, but whenever I talk about it on social media, I also wrote a blog post about it a long time ago, um, people really relate to it. And the reason I even started talking about this topic is because when people would ask us if we were trying for a second child or, you know, people just assume that we're going to have a second child and ask, oh, when are you guys going to try for a second? I started to feel weird when I would say that we were only having one child. And I found myself actually saying, oh, I'm not sure. Like, we haven't really decided yet. Like, we'll see. Like, you know, we don't really know. Even though I knew that we only wanted to have one child, but it felt so awkward and uncomfortable to tell people that we were just having one child. And I was like, why the hell do I feel weird telling people this? So after thinking about it for a while, these are some of the things that I realized were going on in my mind. First, I'll tell you a little bit of a backstory. So I grew up with an older brother and a younger sister. We are all four years apart, which is ideal in the sense that my mom had one baby at home at all times because when she had one baby, the older child was heading off to school. So that part seemed like a good idea. Um, But then there's the fact that she literally was in the baby stage for 12 years and that blows my GD mind. 
Nowadays, I find it's a little more common for people to have multiple children really close together in age. And maybe it has something to do with the fact that a lot of people are having children later in life. So they feel like they don't really have time to space out um, their kids. And I think some people, you know, there's benefit to having your kids uh, close in age. And you just kind of get it over with, so to speak. Um, Not that you know, having a child is something to get over with, but having a newborn in the house is a huge life change. And so I can see why people wouldn't want to have one child get to, you know, four or five years old and then bring in a newborn and then do it again and again. So anyways, I grew up with two siblings and my husband was an only child. However, his mom went back to work fairly early on and he spent a lot of his time when he was younger at his aunt's house and she had multiple children. So he basically until he was about seven or eight years old grew up with his cousins And he's still really close with his cousins. However, most of them are overseas. They're in South Africa. He moved to Canada when he was, I think, around eight years old. So he was an only child from then on. I mean, he was always an only child, but you know what I mean. He spent a lot of time uh, with his cousins until he moved to Canada. So initially, we hadn't really decided on a set number of children that we were going to have. I think before I had Milo, my ideal was having two kids. And I would say my husband's ideal was just having one kid, but I think he was open to having two if, you know, after we had Milo, we still wanted another one. I would say that I probably thought we would have a second child up until Milo was around six to eight months old. And when I think back on it now, when they're in the newborn stage, at least for me, it was fairly easy. He slept most of the day. I could take him shopping, you know, just put him in the car seat, put him in the car, go for a drive. We did swimming lessons. And also I was on maternity leave from my PhD program. And mentally, I was in a space where my 100% attention and focus was on Milo and taking care of him. And I wasn't concerned or focused on anything that I wanted to do for myself. You know, at that point, it would have been finishing my PhD program. When he was six weeks old, seven weeks old, I got back into doing yoga. Um, We lived near my parents at that time. They were just down the street. So my mom could come watch him at any time. Uh, So yeah, it was a different situation when he was really young up until six to eight months old. I think things started to change for me when he started crawling and putting things in his mouth and he started eating solids and it was just like a whole different situation. It wasn't a little tiny baby that slept most of the day and I just gave him his bottles and took him wherever I wanted to take him. It was turning into, you know, there was a more set schedule. He had to eat every meal and then there was like the food prep, the cleaning of, you know, lunchtime because it was a friggin' disaster. There was a nap schedule. It was more like my life turned into... I have a baby and I can still do things, you know, as I normally would to my life revolves around Milo's schedule. 
And during the times when he was awake and it was kind of like a play window, it wasn't like, oh, he could be on his play mat and I'm just sitting there and it's a little calm like play session. It was like I was chasing him all over the house and trying to prevent him from getting hurt constantly. And then at that point, they stop sleeping as much in the stroller when you take them shopping. So you're kind of having to entertain them as you're out and about. And everything, you know, the napping got a little bit worse because now you're trying to keep them on a schedule. And if they fought naps, it would like ruin your whole day. It was just a much different life than it was when he was a newborn. And then when we moved into the 12 month mark and my maternity leave was over, now it was like, okay, my mat leave is over. Now I wanna start doing my own things again. And to a lot of people, this probably sounds, or at least I assume that people listen to these things that I'm saying and they think like, wow, she's really selfish or self-absorbed or something like that. But this is, this is how I felt. I spent, before we had Milo, I spent over 10 years in graduate school just doing my own thing, focused on myself, setting goals for myself, applying to scholarships, like traveling, going to conferences. Like I was super focused on achieving certain things. And I'm also an insane busybody or like busy-minded person. I need to be doing something creative or you know working towards a goal and I think it's silly to think that I would have a baby and all of those characteristics of myself would just completely change and I wouldn't have the desire to do things for myself anymore like that's crazy so this is my experience with having a baby and how I felt so yes 12 months came along and Milo was now one year old. We had moved to the GTA, which is the greater Toronto area. My parents were no longer nearby. Milo started daycare and I finished up my PhD. So I think I'm also in a unique situation in that I had my first baby in the middle, not in the middle, but near the end of my PhD program. So I wasn't already settled in a career and then took a mat leave from a career and then just went back to that job. I was in a situation where Milo was one year old and I just finished my PhD program and now it was like, okay, now what? Now I want to get settled and start doing something and either, you know, starting my career, getting a good job, or I fell into this mom room stuff and the podcast. Um, But at the time, I didn't know what it was that I wanted to do, but I knew if I had another baby, it would be another year of putting off, you know, starting something for myself. Whereas I think if someone is settled in their career and they are where they want to be, it's easier to think that you're going to have another baby and take another maternity leave and then your job is waiting for you at the end of that maternity leave and then you just kind of pick up from where you left off. So these are some of the things that I was thinking about when we were deciding whether or not we would have another child. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. 
We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner... I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. So as I was saying before, I felt weird when people would ask if we were going to have another child and I would say no. And I took some time to think about why I felt awkward telling people that. Why was I sometimes saying, oh, we don't know yet. We haven't really decided. Like, why couldn't I just say, no, we just want one child and we're happy with one. It felt weird and I felt like people had certain thoughts about it, which is what I'm going to get into next. So I wanted to kind of unpack why I felt weird telling people we didn't want a second child. And at the end of the episode, I'm going to get into some listener comments, uh, messages that they sent me on Instagram about their decision to have one or multiple children. The first thing that came to mind for why it felt so awkward to tell people that we only wanted one child was that I felt like people assumed that I didn't enjoy being a mom because obviously we just had a baby like eight or whatever, six or eight months ago and ooh, like she doesn't want a second one? Well, she must not, ooh, like she must not enjoy being a mom, first of all, and maybe she even regrets having her her son. It's almost like there's this unspoken or even spoken for that matter, pressure on parents to have more than one child, especially when there's no 
actual barriers to having more children. So fertility issues or financial issues, whatever it may be. Um, I think it's assumed that if people can have more than one child, then they should. Uh, And if they don't, then they must not enjoy being parents. And for us, this couldn't be further from the truth. We know that we wanted at least one child. Obviously, before we had a child, we didn't know what having a child would be like. Like, you can't prepare for this or you can't know what it's going to be like until you actually have a child. And there's certain moments that I have with Milo and I just think to myself, like, oh my God, I can't imagine having another child in the house or another child in this situation that we're in right now. And I would hate to have to divide my attention between Milo and his brother or sister. I don't want to alter our family dynamic from what it is right now. My husband and I and Milo are so happy in our current situation and having another child is just not something that we want to do. Like, I don't want to change anything about our current situation. And that's okay. Like, that's an okay way to feel. I would say it's actually a good way to feel to know exactly what you want and what you don't want. And this wasn't a super quick decision for us. It was a lot of time really thinking about how a second child would change our lives and change our lives for the better and how it would change our lives or could change our lives for the worse. And even just saying that is weird because I feel like people are going to be like, oh my God, like a child can change your life for the worse. Like you're a monster. But like, can we just be realistic? Having a child changes your life drastically. And sometimes it's not always sunshine and friggin' lollipops. And it really goes back to what works best for our family which is literally my motto for everything in parenting. What works best for your family? And for us, that happens to be having one child. Now, I always think that I'm jinxing myself and I'm going to somehow get pregnant just because I'm so set on having one child. And if that were to happen, we would be totally fine. And who knows, maybe it would bring more joy to our family. But right now, given that we do have a choice in the matter, we are choosing to have one child and we are super happy. And Milo is a super lucky little boy to have us as parents. And I need to stop assuming that people think I don't like being a mom because I just want one child. Another thing that I assumed people thought when I would say that we just wanted one child is that Milo was a really difficult baby or, you know, we went through some kind of traumatic experience that scared us into having a second child. Again, this couldn't be further from the truth. My labor and delivery was pretty ideal. I was induced. Everything went pretty quickly. Um, you know, recovery is a bitch like it is for everybody. Um, but I had nothing unusual, uh, in my recovery except for a friggin' welt that I got on my butt. And a week after I had Milo, I had to go to the hospital 
and have a welt drained on my butt. Do you believe this shit? Like, I'm already in recovery from a vaginal birth and I can barely sit down properly and then I got a welt on my butt that made sitting down even harder and I remember being on the table when they had to like drain it they had to like freeze the area and then cut it open and drain it and the nurse was like oh my god you poor thing like you just gave birth and now you're dealing with this and I was like yes this is like brutal but the positive was that they froze me and when I drove home from the hospital because my husband stayed home with Milo I felt like a million bucks because my entire uh, nether regions were frozen and that was a gift until the freezing wore off but anyways yeah so I had a welt so that was unexpected but besides that my recovery was probably fairly uh, normal why don't they just continuously freeze women after giving birth because I didn't feel anything for that, you know, couple hours. Okay, I'm getting off topic. So back to my point that I assumed that people thought Milo was a really difficult baby or we had some kind of traumatic experience or I had some, you know, emotional or mental health issues in postpartum, like postpartum depression or something like that. Because, you know, obviously there had to be something wrong Otherwise, why wouldn't I have another child? This is what I thought people were thinking. And you could be listening to this right now and you're like, I would never assume these things if someone told me they only wanted one child. But again, I understand that you may not actually think these things, but this is how I felt when I would tell people that. This is what I thought they were thinking and how I felt in that moment. A third thing that a lot of people struggle with when it comes to deciding whether or not to have multiple children is giving your child a sibling or siblings. So for me, I felt when I would tell people that we only wanted one child, I felt like they were thinking like, oh man, I feel bad for Milo. He's not going to have any siblings. I can totally understand this point and why people struggle with this because I grew up with siblings and our family is really close, so I get it. And sometimes when I think about it, it does make me sad that Milo likely won't have siblings, but does it make me sad enough to have another baby? No. And again, maybe people think this is selfish of my husband and I, but to be honest, it's like, why would we have a child when we don't want that for our family right now and just assume that Milo and his sibling are going to be best friends and they're going to get along and when they are adults they're going to have a close relationship like this is all just ideal situation and it's not guaranteed and sure it's easy for me to assume that they would just be close and you know everybody would live happily ever after but that's not so much the case. I can't assume just because my family's close and my husband's family is close that, you know, we're going to have another child and completely disrupt our current happy life that we love and guarantee that they are going to be close with Milo 
and maintain a close relationship throughout their lives. I mean, it's a nice thing to think about, but it's not something that's guaranteed. And like you have no idea what is going to happen when you have a second child. We can't predict the future, but we do know that we're super happy with how things are right now. So we don't want to change that. And we just don't see having another child in our family. And I know both my husband and I are looking forward to traveling with Milo, you know, if the pandemic ever ends and, you know, taking him to concerts and taking him to the Wiggles show. And we're looking forward to all these things with Milo and it's hard for us to picture another child. And when I say things like this, I'm like, oh, it sounds so selfish, but We have one child. We give him 100% of our attention and our love. He's super lucky. We have such a great family relationship. So why is not wanting a second baby that doesn't even exist so you can do more for yourself and your family be selfish? Like it's such a weird thing to think about. It's like thinking about what your ideal family situation is and then doing that for your family. So for us... That's our ideal family situation. And of course, it's not going to be the same for everybody. And that is totally fine. But I know a lot of people just from the messages that I got on Instagram feel this pressure as well to have more than one child, even if they don't envision that for their family. They get pressure from whether it be other family members or friends, um, almost like you're being judged for having only one child. And it's like, can we just step away from that and acknowledge that people are really thinking about what they want and what they want their family to look like? And that's a good thing. Like, it's a good thing that people are thinking about this and only having one child if that's what works for their family and what's going to make them the happiest. Another thing that came to mind when I was thinking about this stuff was when I was talking to people that had multiple children, uh, whether it be like cousins, friends, uh, I have lots of friends that have multiple kids, it felt weird to say that we only wanted one child because I felt like they thought I was criticizing their choice for having multiple children. And this just might be my own neurotic brain talking, but it felt like, you know, people saying, oh, you guys are only having one? Oh, come on, you have to have more. And in my mind, I'm like, fuck, no. Like, I do do not want multiple children at all. Like that's not the life that I see my husband and I having. But then I wonder, are they offended by that? But like they're looking at me at the same time and thinking like, oh, how could you only have one child? And, you know, suggesting that we have more for whatever reason. And it kind of goes both ways. It's like they can't picture themselves only having one child and they would never only have one child. But at the same time, I look at them having multiple children and I'm like, oh my God, I would never want that. So it's this weird like feeling of, you know, when somebody doesn't want what you have, you feel almost offended. 
because you feel like they're being critical of your situation and vice versa. It's kind of like, you know, people say, oh my God, minivans are the best. Like once you get one, you're going to love it. There's so much room. And in my mind, I'm like, Jesus Christ, like I do not want a minivan. Like I don't want a minivan. And then the person that has a minivan would be like, oh, well, that's like I'm taking offense to that because obviously you're being critical of my minivan. Like, I hope you guys can understand what I'm trying to explain here. Like, it's awkward when you don't want what someone else has, even though you know that it's because it just doesn't work for your family. It's not that you don't want them to have multiple children. Multiple children is amazing. And sometimes I look at, you know, families with multiple children and I'm like, wow, like, it's so cute and lovely, but I don't want that for myself. Another way to think of it is people that have multiple children and love their life with multiple children think that having multiple children is the ideal life, where for us, we think that having one child is the ideal life. And it's not that you can say that that's the ideal life for everybody, No, you choose what the ideal life is for yourself and that's it. So you can't really look at someone that only wants to have one child and think that they don't have the ideal life or the ideal family because they do for themselves. So while it took me a while to be confident in our decision to only have one child, Uh, after working through, you know, all these things and why I was feeling weird when I would tell people, I would say that I'm finally there because I'm totally fine with just saying, no, we only want one child. One child is amazing for us. Milo is the happiest kid in the world. We're doing awesome. This is what we wanted and this is our ideal family situation. To wrap up this episode, I wanted to read a few messages that I got on Instagram about other people's experiences with this topic. So I had one message that said, right now we are at 95% only wanting one child. It took five years and multiple rounds of IVF and a few transfers to have one. We still have three on ice. We could transfer, but paying more money for something that might not work while already being in debt from IVF and paying for childcare. At the moment, it's not feasible. And to top it off, I am nearing 40 because it took so long. And truly, I don't know if I can put my body, mind, and soul through the drugs, the possible heartache, and then the newborn phase again. I'd rather give my daughter the best of me rather than what's left. I am so obsessed with this message and this is the exact reason why it's a little uncomfortable to ask people if they're going to have a second or if they're trying for a second when you don't really know them or their situation. I think a lot of the times we assume that the decision to have another child or not is the couple's decision. And it's really not that simple. I know so many people who have gone through IVF and who have fertility issues and having a child or having a second child or a third child is not 
a direct yes or no answer a lot of the time. Sometimes the couple is in disagreement on whether or not they want to have another one. Sometimes it's a financial issue. Sometimes they're having fertility trouble. They could be going through their own private healthcare issues and having a child is kind of on the back burner right now. Like we don't know what people's situation is. So I think unless it's a conversation that you are actively having with someone and you know their situation and exactly what's going on, it's probably best not to ask or assume that it's their choice whether or not to have another child or even a first child. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner. They have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment and there's also a glossing detangler, which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. Another message I received says, sometimes what you plan for isn't what happens in reality. Curveball, we had twins. But honestly, we always talked about having three or four kids, just didn't expect to jump from two to four so quickly. We both came from families of three kids and live away from our family, so we felt we wanted a big family of our own so we would have lots of family around and our kids would have lots of family around. 
She says, my husband would have more if I were up for it, but I am so done with four and my career is also important to me. So having three mat leaves close together was tough. Taking more time off would pretty much end my career and not to mention the child care costs are crazy. Somebody else messaged, I'm an only child. I always knew I wanted one. It's hard to express to people who have multiple children, but I can't love two like I love my daughter. I just couldn't. I give her everything I have. I would have to love her less in order to love another. But you can't tell people that. And some frankly do not accept having one child as a choice. This woman also went on to say that her in-law's pastor consulted with them about fertility prayers because it was so unfathomable the idea of having one intentionally. Isn't that wild? I didn't even know such a thing existed, but here we are. And the last message that I'll read says, my husband and I always pictured our Thanksgiving table 10 years from now. What did it look like? Who was there? For us, it was a bunch of kids, loud and chaotic, messy and vibrant and challenging. So we chose to have three kids and we probably would have had four if it wasn't so expensive. I love that idea of picturing your Thanksgiving dinner table. That's so awesome. So I will end this episode there. If you have any comments or want to share your experience about this topic, just message me on Instagram or you can email me as well. Um, Yeah, if you haven't already done so, please rate, review and subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening. If you are a small business owner and you would like to have an ad in the Mom Room podcast, you can email me at hello at renearena.com and we can chat about that. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at the.mom.room. Thursday's episode is with Nikki Bergen of The Bell Method, and we talk about her experience with IVF, so don't miss that one. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope your children sleep tonight. Nice.